Hiya and welcome to another episode of The Jewel Case with me, John Darcy. And you may be listening on Lisburn's 98 FM or Bangor FM or FM 105 in Downpatrick. Or you could be listening to the podcast on Audioboom. It's also on iTunes. Android as well. There's so many places you could be listening to us. Thank you if you are listening. We have a really lovely guest with us this week. He is actually, uh, this is the, the the most organized I've been. This is well-timed because at the minute he's Lisbon's 98 FM's track of the week. It's Michael Mormika. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Mike. How are you? Yeah, great. Thanks for having us, Dan. Uh, Mike, you're just about to launch your new album, Lo-Fi Life, and you've kindly invited me into your home studio. Well, I say home studio, but most musicians, when they talk about home studios, it's like just a laptop in their bedroom. Your home studio is a little bit different. Yeah, I threw the bed out the window for the for the squeezing the mixing desk. You know? <laughs> There's, it's like Sound City in yeah. here. Uh, we've got a massive mixing desk. We've got big screens, big speakers, a couch, a big sofa here. Um, <laughs> Michael, you've lovingly closed the windows here uh, because you've got these great big uh, sort of felty curtains to absorb the sound. So we're really pro today. We've got headphones on. Setting the ambiance, you know. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) So Mike, what have you been up to? Because it's been ages since I've seen you. I think the last time I saw you was actually at a pantomime. Is yeah, that right? Oh, that was the the, uh, the the Little Red Riding Hood, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah, yeah, At the Lyric Theatre. That was a great show. Um. Actually, yeah. Oh, I've been been up to so much, but but we'll start there. Was at the pantomime seeing Ursula Burns, who was doing the music, and then uh, just straight after that uh, pantomime, we got stuck into her her solo album, and I produced that for her, and and uh, that was a really cool record. She's the, uh, uh, the the singing harpist. Yeah, she is the dangerous harpist, the most dangerous <laughs> harpist in the world, and so we locked ourselves in here for five days, and. Uh, and fused very heavy guitars with very beautiful harp and big drums and, and made a, a a class album. So Is that out yet? It is, it's out and you gotta oh, check it out. It's called The Dangerous Harpist. That must have been so fun because she's great crack. Oh, she's brilliant, yeah. And, and she she uh she she got stuff out of me I didn't know was in there and, and vice <laughs> versa. So uh Mike, yeah. I feel like you're a font of stuff that you don't know and I don't know and <laughs> we don't know. There's like such depths to <laughs> plunder. I know it's it's a uh, it's big part of, of of what I do is just fusing you know things that probably shouldn't be or, or God loves a trier you know but uh, <laughs> have such fun with that and that's why I live in the studio and it's also really not it's it's actually like a farmhouse too there's there's some wildlife around here there's there's fl- there's the odd fly that gets in past the curtains but uh, there's like ducks yeah. and chickens and everything yeah I don't think there's a recording that's been done here that doesn't have the sound of crows bleeding in somewhere <laughs> through the through the mics, you know, or the hall mic or something, but uh over the years. But no, it's um it's an awesome place to uh it feels very secluded. It feels like you're more than five minutes outside uh Lisbon or yeah, you feel like you've sort of left your world behind if you come out here to make music, you know. Yes, it's just on the outskirts of Lisbon, sort of Ballandary kind of area. Um and it's Millbank Studios is the name, so people can actually look this up. If, if you're interested in recording with Mike or James here at Millbank, uh, check out their websites, millbankstudios.net. Yeah. Perfect. BBC have a Millbank as well, so in uh, <laughs> London, so yeah, we had to so, settle for .net. <laughs> yeah, Mill, Millbank in Lisbon, not London. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you've also been doing some work with uh, Melogen. Yeah, um, there was a, a a period where I was doing a lot of work in Start Together and ended up playing on Pat Tom Smith's record mm. and and Kieran Lavery and 
worked with Katie in the carnival and, and Malogian as well. So I met, met Stevie and uh, from that sort of developed a great working relationship and loved his material. And now we're, we've done three albums together and um, we've been in Chicago this year recording and, you know, acoustic music and singer songwriter style has always been, you know, a big influence, but something that I haven't really done, you know, obviously Mo- Mojo Fury being heavier stuff and my own stuff and Clown Power being maybe more experimental, but I just love being involved in something like Melodian where it's just like good, honest, sort of real meat and potatoes songwriting, you know, and so uh, it's great just to sit behind the kit and be involved in that in that way. So And that actually brought you over to Chicago to work with uh, probably one of your heroes, uh, producer Steve Albini. Yeah, big time. It, it, Whenever Stevie uh, Melogen first came up with the idea uh, and that being kind of one of his kind of dreams eh, to go to America and record, I think that's, you know, maybe every musician's dream as well. It's certainly one of mine, you know, just in the back of your mind to, to do something in the States. There's just something mm-hmm. about that, you know, a nice uh, box to tick and an aspiration. But um, but then whenever it became a reality, you know, uh, especially with Albini's kind of ethos that, of being obtainable to any band and um you know yes for, for for the right price and stuff but um you know we were uh able to get a bit of cash together and a bit of help from the arts council and next we knew we were on a plane uh, four of us were flying out there and uh knocked the studio door and albini actually answered that <laughs> whenever we arrived you know off the plane it's like straight away the, the the barrier of kind of like this this kind of like legendary figure has just broke down and and you know hours later we were there just making a making a record you know and was he in his overalls once oh, yeah, yeah. already yeah <laughs> covered Slash. in oil or something yeah so um and Steve Albini produced the likes of Nirvana and the Pixies and uh, still plays in his band Shellac mm-hmm. as well um I, I imagine the Nirvana record that he produced is one of your big influences. Oh yeah, I grew up listening to yeah, and I, I was more of a an a neutral fan than than Nevermind, you know. But um, so it's actually still a little bit surreal having having uh, worked with somebody. It's that thing like you're never five people away from anyone, but uh-huh. now like it actually feels like uh, being a little bit part of a kind of a history, you know, yeah. like being tied in working with someone like that. It's like you know, but but at the, at the end of the day, and anyway, all that aside, uh, it, it was still just class to go there and concentrate on making uh, a good album and so we're really excited to put that out later this year so great well I look forward to that um nice. we sort of glossed over the fact uh you, you mentioned Mojo Fury uh we sort of glossed over the fact because most people will know you from Mojo Fury who mm-hmm. I think are one of the best bands Northern Ireland <laughs> has ever produced Class. Uh, no apologies for saying that um I want to sort of take you back because I think I first I'm not first met you, but the first time I saw Mojo Fury was in the Island Art Centre in Lisburn. And uh, I think Fighting With Wire were headlining. There was maybe a couple other bands like Torgus Valley Reds. It was the, sort of that era. Mm-hmm. But you guys were the hot ticket. You had just played some gig in Belfast. I think it was maybe Fela's Battle of the Bands or something. And people were talking about you. Like, you were the opening act. But people were like, I, I see this three-piece Mojo Fury. <laughs> Keep an eye out for them. 
And that actually felt like that was before people started saying that sort of thing. You know, before people started touting bands. That was, that was pre-MySpace. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. We had a forum. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you were great. And the, the song that stuck out for everyone, um, which was my favourite, but you stopped playing at the live shows later when you started, you know, doing the bigger gigs and things, was shooting for a living. Can, my, can I play a little bit of it? Of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that volume okay for you? Yeah, it's good. This is the first recorded for, yeah, yeah. This is from Neil Calderwoods. Well, that's a little bit of Shooting for a Living, one of Mojo Fury's early hits. I'll call it a hit. Because <laughs> uh, I actually went, I, I took a trip into Lisbon City Centre, I think the Saturday after I saw that gig, and bought for, I think I've got the CD here, it's like three ninety nine. Uh, your first single slash EP, which had That's a ripoff for, for a single. Isn't it? <laughs> hey, what was it? Caroline Music. It was wherever that CEX shop is in yeah. Lisbon. That used to be a little music shop. Um, and yeah, I loved it. So there was a couple of tracks on that CD, and then you released another EP after that, maybe a couple of months down the line, maybe even a year down the line. Um, and it was also just called like a self-titled EP, but this one had the man. Yeah, we'd uh, started getting managed. By Peter Fleming up in uh, who looked after fighting with wire at the time. Shout out Peter. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, got ourselves into garage the Peter's garage home studio, and actually Cahar from Fighting with Wire, who we all looked up to and kind of looked, yeah. like uh, idolized a little bit at the time. You know, came down and helped uh, produce, and I remember spending about like five hours on the snare drum sound. Um, but anyway, yeah, just uh, put that three track. EP down and the, the, you know what's weird is that this is still my favourite version of The Man and the, the Man is a song that sort of followed you throughout the early years of Mojo Fury and eventually yeah. ended up on the full on album mm-hmm. Visiting Hours of a Travelling Circus that's right yeah but just for the nerds out there I'm going to play the original version awesome yeah yeah
That intro is very fine with fire. That's very car, all those the, ghost uh, notes and things. You can hear that because I used to record in Pete's cars too, and you can kind of hear the the sound of those early Fighting with Wire sort of three track demos yeah. that they used to do, you know, cut the transmission and all that, you know, <laughs> class. Do you ever get a chance to listen to these no, early demos? I don't even have them. They're somewhere lost <laughs> up in my room, man. I had to play it out there until James's vocal came in because yeah, I think that was that was really. Uh, a, a sort of important part of the sound at that stage his back end vocal and he's had sort of similar voices but definitely could tell them apart on the record mm. maybe it's a good opportunity to explain how the lineup of Mojo Fury came together and how it sort of morphed over those first couple of months and first couple of years yeah well, um, I suppose in, in a nutshell we, we met in Bangor College and were thrown into uh, bands to do college assignments you know and, and play live and, oh so this uh, was uh, Southeastern Regional College at Bangor yeah, then it was indeed oh, right. yeah, and these yeah. were doing like the music course there yeah uh, Kieran and I were, were, were put into a band and I think that's whenever that, that first kind of connection with me on drums and him on bass mm-hmm. and then um, he told me he had a buddy called James and and did I want to come and have a jam with the two of them and, and uh, I'll never forget that first time uh booking a practice room in, in in college after after class and just the three of us getting in and um things like shooting for a living you know I had that knocking around and was like do you want to try this and they, they had some stuff and and uh it kind of like a love at first sight that's kind of like 12 years later we're, we're still here playing and and um so uh so yeah three piece for for uh for years until wanting to kind of broaden the sound and um and then got Mr. Macaulay and Peter Macaulay. Peter Macaulay is yeah. all, aka Rams Pocket Radio, but also aka uh, he's come back to using Peter as his yeah. name for his, his solo work. Yeah, it's all in at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um I Pete Pete was an amazing addition to uh to yeah. us at the time to to wanna well yeah it, just the way it all worked out with him, uh, both Pete and I, he played majority of Mojo's first full-length album on drums and I played guitar, but um, just to expand the sound, but then to have, you know, I think his uh, drumming was was perfect for, for what we were doing at the time. and He's a great sense for... That that sounds really redundant to say a drummer has a great sense for rhythm, but Pete really oh, no, yeah, has he's, he's, yeah, he's a different level. Sympathetic he's studied percussion as well. Yeah. And he's a great songwriter too, yeah. so he really has a sense always, for what's yeah. going to work. Always, always plays for the song, so um, no, brilliant. And uh, yeah, and then after that, sort of, yeah, the sound kept broadening and uh, Pete went on to do his own thing and uh, Spinal Tap, 10 drummers later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what happened you know, there? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Yeah, they all went on fire. No, <laughs> one got eaten by, eaten by a crocodile. Um, no, uh, yeah, no, uh, the, just the, the, I suppose the, the, the musicianship and stuff changed and we brought in keyboards, pianos and, and things yeah. and, and the sound of the band matured and changed. There was a marked evolution in the sound when it came to visiting ours of a travelling circus the full length album because there actually was a, a cheeky EP called Visiting Hours of Travelling Circus released before that. Yeah. That sort of has disappeared but I have it on CD There here. was only over a hundred of those went out. I actually have wow. one upstairs but it, um, I guess that that was like maybe our attempt at doing something a little bit more substantial you know yeah. five or six tracks and um, 
at the time it kind of worked out that I don't really know what happened, but uh, we couldn't afford to pay for all the CDs. So this guy just used them as coffee mats, but we ended up getting a hundred of those things. But um, no way. But uh, yeah, so there's 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 probably a load of uh, Mojo Fury coffee mats down, and I don't know where that. There's was. a secret store. Of, yeah, <laughs> they're gonna uh, they're gonna like get released someday. Yeah. Well, it had like a couple of prototype version, I'll call them, of of songs that eventually made it onto the album. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and th- were these self-recorded as well? Um, yeah, I think the same idea. Just something at the time we were still working with Peter and and just recorded them in his garage. So, I'm gonna play a little bit of "What a Secret." We become one of the standout tracks of your live show and one of those sing- sort of sing along moments. This song was uh, written in uh, Beach Lawn School in Hillsborough. We used to rent a room up there and wrote a lot at the time. You know, we used to run around the forest and then come back and jam all night. <laughs> and uh, this is a, it's quite a special song. You know, it's one of the songs that just landed in the room mm. just from a riff. And then like literally half an hour later, it was a fully formed song. And it's maybe one of my favorite Mojo songs, you know. So. So that's a little bit of What a Secret from Mojo Fury's Visiting Art of a Travelling Circus EP. Secret EP. Secret EP <laughs> that was released um, before they eventually got around to making the full-on album. So I, I guess, is that is, am I right in saying that they're sort of like prototype songs at this stage? Well, they, yeah, they're, I guess, they're sounding yeah. pretty full-formed, but when we hear the sounds of the fully-fledged produced and mixed album... Yeah, there's a lot of differences and there's a lot of embellishments and yeah, like you, you say, it's nice to have that nice kind of raw, um, raw version, you know, and and it's kind of like a meat and potato form, you know, <laughs> um, and those are actually tracked on A Dad as well. It's for any any nerds out there might know what that is, but 
yes, Mike, reveal yourself as that recording engineer nerd that you really are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not much of a nerd, you know, but I know it's obviously that, that, that side of things fascinate. I'm very passionate about that yeah. too. So uh, I believe actually I borrowed a, a really great book off you one time. It was a book released by Abbey Road, which documented all the gear that the Beatles had used throughout their time at Abbey Road and had like pictures and details about all of the effects yeah. that they used and they developed because they developed things like automatic double track for John Lennon's vocals. Yeah, There's yeah. loads of really interesting stuff in there. Um, so yeah, you are a bit of a secret nerd about all that sort of stuff. Mike. Okay, I know. I, I love it. I love uh, I love kind of having, a, it's almost like an audio diary, you know, your life in, mm-hmm. in recording, you know, because uh, I remember, uh, you know, working in Laser at Bantram Road and um, <laughs> whenever I worked there, I saved up enough money to buy a, a big, massive uh, Dell PC with off, with awful spec. But anyway, like loading the first software onto that and recording on that thing for years and that being my kind of first, mm-hmm. you know, my, my entry into production and and playing around with synths and samples and, and looping things. And then, you know, ever since that, like, you know, just recording on different mediums and, and, and getting to be in different studios and, and, you know, all this technology's all improving and getting better all the time. It's really exciting to look back even over, you know, 12, 15 years. And it, it's crazy that where it's at now and yeah, what we're using to do these things. Yeah. And, I feel like this this moment in Mojo Fury's arc uh, heading into the album release, Visiting mm-hmm. Hours of a Travelling Circus, you're starting to play a lot more with synths and keyboard parts. I'm wondering what was the catalyst behind that? What were you listening to? That, or, or what did you get? Was it a gear purchase that made that happen? Um, what, I think Rocky, Rocky O'Reilly, who, who was actually, you know... Thankfully, Rocky just told us to wise up. And uh, one night at a gig in Derry, Mojo were playing with a band, his band Oppenheimer, and uh, Rocky was like, "Right, stop beating around the bush. You're coming in to record your album with me." And we're like, just looked at each other and was like, "Okay, let's do it." And we don't have any money, but let's just do it anyway. And Brilliant. so, uh, and that that was a class, you know, um, locking yourself away for for a week and properly like doing a proper album you know and then obviously yeah with Rocky's influence being very synth based and stuff you know so I think maybe it was gonna it was it was going that way anyway but it was a nice pairing you know between himself and and us. You were listening to a lot of Prince as well at this time I think. Always yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There was always Prince in the air around the Millbank house slash studio. Yeah yeah no it's nice to have you know, oh, actually, when when Prince died there, it was actually just nice to reminisce on a few, like a good few summers, you know, in a period in our lives where, like that, you know, Prince was like a soundtrack to yeah, just uh, crazy parties and yeah. And there's that <laughs> cheeky uh, lip sync video that you guys did. Yeah, no, <laughs> and Prince took it off YouTube though. So. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aww. I think it, it crept up again. Now it's on Vimeo somewhere or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> will will we play something off of the actual album visiting ours? Yeah, do um, it. Yeah. Any, I've been picking the tracks so far. Is there anything for you that maybe is like a centerpiece of the album in a way? And let me see. Uh, I suppose we should just run away. 
is one yeah. that's maybe the most synth infused as well and maybe like heading towards where the, the next album album went and that's quite a special song for us people it seems to maybe be people's favorite live you know mm-hmm. it's one that really gets the sort of room jumping or great fun at festivals and stuff bit of We Should Just Run Away uh, by Mojo Fury on their album Visiting Hours of a Travelling Circus. You are listening to The Jewel Case with me, John Darcy, and my guest tonight is Michael Mormika from Mojo Fury, but also a solo artist in his own right, now about to release his new album, Lo-Fi Life. Well, it's actually it's actually kind of out already, isn't it? Yeah, it uh, came out um, in... What month? Is it May right now? <laughs> Mike, it's June. Is it? All right. <laughs> I, I think it came out on the 9th of May. <laughs> <laughs> but it's getting launched on the 30th of June. Yeah, that's right. We're going to do our, our Belfast launch. So it's kind of like, yeah, our, our hometown launch. I'd been gigging the, the, the Lo-Fi Life stuff, you know, um, a little bit last year, but uh, got sidetracked and, and sat on the album until just getting everything into place for for doing the self-release so um yeah it's all kicking off now can i ask what's the difference between or who is the difference between um and the difference between is (laughs) actually the name of your your next mojo fury album but before i talk about that what's the difference between clown parlor and michael mormika well there's no difference that clown parlor was always just a, a solo band project um and that was sort of he, developing around the time of visiting uh, ours, or before oh no, he, well, well before that, I, I guess actually right right from I'd mentioned um, when I worked in Laser, um, and I got my first computer around I don't know seventeen eighteen, like really anything, anything I kind of wrote, I just I always had that name and and uh, and that always went on in the background, you know, just anything that didn't really suit the 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 band was uh ended up a clown parlor song but anyway just decided to um i guess for a few reasons but just to ditch the the band name and and uh start i mean i'm going to be releasing music the rest of my life and uh i just thought just why not use my name and and build on that and you know, not complicate things, yeah. and I mean Peter Macaulay's doing it, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I guess yeah. Like some of my favorite 
artists, I, I don't know, like Peter Gabriel or uh, Tom Vack and stuff like just self-producing artists. You, yeah. you sometimes have a slightly different kind of um, idea about them if if it's just some if it's just their name and you're kind of appreciating what what they do as an overall thing mm. and. I kind of like that idea as well. So, uh, well, can we play a little bit? Because you released a full-on album as Clown Powder called "The Sum of Sounds." Yeah, uh, and it's still lingering on Spotify. If anyone wants to stream it, you can get it on Bandcamp as well. I think. Yeah, at the time, I put that out for free actually, and on Bandcamp, and that so was cool. You, you just think you were like um, you were years ahead of Chance the Rapper. <laughs> and all of the artists who put things out for free now. Um, what will we play off the Clown Parlor album? Um, Vicious Delicious was one of my favorite songs. Yeah, it um, actually it's actually the only song then that made it to uh, to Lo Fi Life. Off, oh off yes, that. but that's uh, maybe right. Stanley Kubrick or something. Oh, or, Stanley or, Kubrick's yeah. a good one. And there's a great video for this. Is that still lingering on YouTube? Yeah, think? it is indeed. Yeah, we'll play a bit of Stanley Kubrick from Clown Parlor's album, The Sum of Sounds. Oh, I forgot this was this good. That was Stanley Kubrick by Clown Parlor, aka Michael Momika. Um, and I have Mike sitting with me here. Uh, well, I'm sitting with him technically because we're in his home farm studio. <laughs> <laughs> Natural, you, you should really get like a, a little stamp that you can put on any release that gets re- recorded and produced here. Um, oh, I, I so wish. Made in Lisburn, Northern Ireland. Yeah, it's, it's amazing the amount of stuff that's actually come through here. And whenever I moved in here, somehow I ended up with my granny's visitor book, you know, the real, real 60s, 70s thing that, you know, have a visitor's book. But um, I think for a while we were making people sign it, but I so wish we had have kept it up because, yeah. like, again, just, you know, in 20, 30 years, you know, more, it's like, to me and other people, maybe it's a, a little slice or substantial part of, like Northern Irish music history has actually passed through here. You know, people making records and EPs yeah. and uh, people who've written here or, or anything. Just it's uh, 
it's a nice uh, it'll be a nice memory to look look back on you know but of course we have all the all the records you know Don yeah Melodian, the Bonnevilles and Mojo's second record and stuff and so much cool stuff. Loris, another Lisburn band. Yeah. Who you actually play keyboards with now as well. Yeah, right? I do. Started working with uh with Francis producing that stuff and uh and it's class, it's going really well. We're just about to put out another EP with that as well. So And bands used to practice here as well, like it's sort of like be like a practice space as well. Do you still do that or are you completely swamped with recordings? Uh just uh, pretty pretty much just for the recordings now, but there used to be uh what do you call it? A band from Lisburn made up of mostly postmen called Buck Egypt, I think. <laughs> They're all postmen. They were amazing. They just used to jam in the garage and we would just sit outside with a beer just looking in the window, just kind of like our own little private show. And Because, uh, yeah, I think the front guy, Paddy Taggart, you call him, just kind of just, even in the practice room, he, he just spoke like he was at Wembley, you know. Amazing. And just you'd just be sitting there hiding in a bush watching in at them, kind of like, and learning the, the art of performance because they were, they're, Proper amazing. <laughs> Do they play still? I, I think the odd time, yeah, yeah. Wow. I think they have a, a Bebo or something. You can go and look. Bebo. Would you fear? We would have had a Bebo back in the day. We didn't have a Bebo, no. You did? No, no. We had a MySpace. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Does that still exist? Do you think? Actually, like, I don't know. Can so we track no. that Moji Fury MySpace? Down? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, before we pivot to uh, Lo-Fi Life. Um, you did manage to squeeze in another Mojo Fury album, which I alluded to. Uh, it's called The Difference Between. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one was the first one you did crowdfunded. Yeah, got on, got on board with Pledge Music. And, and uh, yeah, it was really, really cool. You know, at the time then we had our label, uh, Graphite Records and Leeds. And, and um, yeah, it's sort of, this this new way that artists are raising money to without the big advances that were there, you know, yeah. ten, fifteen years ago for, for bands to go into the studio and record and and mix and replicate their albums and, and then then market them and stuff. So all those costs involved. But so this this cool crowdfunding uh thing has come about and we did that for our second album and and uh And was the money raised used for all that stuff like duplication of the yeah. physical objects of the CDs and things. Yeah, everything uh, um, and mixing as well. We got a really cool mixer on, on board called Catherine Marks and we went over to Assault and Battery Studios in London um, uh, owned by Flood who does U2 and lots of cool stuff, oh, you yeah. know. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, got to go there and mix the record and, and put it out and so yeah, it was quite a a little bit of a taste of independent kind of releasing as well, you know, raising the money yourself, you know, with that direct to fan contact and so that was like 2014 mm-hmm. and I actually pledged for that as well. Class. I, <laughs> I got you. my copy. I think I got like um you threw in some nice things as well. I think I got a a little remixer rarities album and a little um demos album as well which yeah. is really nice no it's um, it, it actually open, opens up for for the artist for anyone who doesn't know what it is you know it, the artist can do absolutely anything to make you uh, pledge however much money you want towards their project so we ended up doing lots of lots of cool stuff you know house concerts and mm-hmm. paintings and, and like yeah um, and then doing lots of acoustic versions or remixed versions of, of stuff so 
I have a t-shirt as well of the album art for that, like the white, a white version of the album art on a black t-shirt. But I'm wondering, did I get that through the pledge or did I actually just get that at a gig? Okay. Mike, sure. when did I get that? The unfortunate thing is I haven't had the opportunity to see you guys that much since that album was released. And I think mm-hmm. maybe the only time I did was the final Radar show, the Mandela Hall mm-hmm. in Student Union. Oh yeah, that was awesome. A show sort of ups and downs because some <laughs> guy d- dove off the stage and he didn't get up for a long time. No, I think he was carted off in an ambulance. Um, but he's okay. He's okay. He yeah, that was scary. I was I was like centre, right in the centre of the Mandela Hall and uh, a guy was sort of standing behind Mike. Mike was uh, like front and centre of the stage and the guy dove off. But this is like a local gig and people aren't completely rammed at the front. So he sort of just fell. I think his foot... Uh, got clipped on the little crowd barrier <laughs> and he just fell flat smack in the middle and yeah. you guys didn't really know what had happened but then um, there actually I, was quite a nice crowd at the front until this guy got on stage and then uh, I've never seen like people part like the Red Sea oh, you know? they, were <laughs> they didn't want to get hit by this like crazy <laughs> drunk students who were like I think I saw a photographer give a timeout signal to you guys or give yeah. some signal and then you realised like stop the music and everyone in the room, it was really weird. There was like waves both ways because people at the front wanted to get away because they didn't want to see it in case something really bad had happened. And then people at the back were like, oh, what's happened? I want to see what's at the front. Yeah. So I'm in the middle and people coming both ways, like front and back. I got sent a video of that. My friend who was at the back was like filming that song. And uh, it's it hurts to watch. It's one oh. of those ones whenever you watch it back and then you watch it again. It's like you, you just you feel your shins and then you feel your head and you just go, you know, yeah. But luckily he was okay. Yeah. And the show went on, so all good. <laughs> it did, it did. And uh, yeah, RIP Radar, uh, one, of the, one of the best know, places yeah. for gigs in Northern Ireland. Um, always would be a great curation of what was happening in the yeah, local music scene at the time. Amazing, yeah. Like, And it was free and, you know, you could always just go down there and see see local bands and it was yeah. class, see what was going on, you know. And, and they had touring bands too, you know, it was class night and a really cool uh, block period and and the scene at that time you know so for sure we'll play a song of the difference between the album then I'll get the pick again this time (laughs) and I'm going to choose Origami Bird yeah class yeah So that was a little bit of Origami Bird from Mojo Fury's album The Difference Between. I have Michael Mormika from Mojo Fury with me in the studio to talk actually about his album Lo-Fi Life and about what 
40 minutes into the interview, we'll actually finally get to talk about it, Mike. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so after having done the pledge experience and getting some crowdfunding for the difference between, uh, you decided to go again to that model for the funding of Lo-Fi Life? Yeah, um, I, I guess Lo-Fi Life is the first album that I've actually properly self-released and my friend and I, Zach Troughton, and well, actually, he he started a label, and I'm helping him out as much as I can. But getting on board for this release, so Swallow Song Records, so um, to do everything involved in that, like we mentioned before, you know, recording, mixing, mm-hmm. marketing, and plugging, just general plugging of the album, need to raise money to do that. So uh, yeah, did another crowdfunder and uh, went well, and enabled us to set up the platform for releasing the the album. So we've, uh, we've actually done vinyls and CDs and and uh, nice. yeah, it's class, really exciting. It's actually out of all the stuff I've ever done, it's the first ever time putting uh, a proper LP vinyl record out. So really, um, yeah, yeah. So really awesome to uh, again something I've recorded here in Millbank Studios and my own music and hold it on on a proper vinyl. Like it's quite an exciting first for me, you know. So so yeah, we're just uh, right right in the middle of of. Uh, the album campaign and promoting singles and oh, that's kind of the 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 really hard bit. Um, so many self-releasing artists in Northern Ireland. Uh, it's been great over the last couple of years because we've had much better education about what goes into the music business side of yeah. being an artist. Um, so people are a bit more wise to that. But then also we're we're realizing. Oh, it's so much about getting the plugger and getting the right PR, and mm-hmm. nearly that eclipses your budget for the actual recording of the, yeah. the making of the music. Oh, it's 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 crazy tough. On obviously, I, I have the studio, so recorded and mixed the record myself, and so our budget we got to use that on more on the marketing and and duplication side. So uh, touring costs, whatever, but. Uh, it's not an easy thing, you know, for for a new artist or band to dive into that world without sort of yeah knowing all this yeah. stuff, and then even whenever you do, yeah, it can be tricky, you know. Uh, well, the first song that you released from the album was mixtapes, mm-hmm. and I know that was sort of teased to the general public with videos and different things a little while ago. But to celebrate that you're about to do the album launch uh, on the 30th of June we've made it our track of the week on Lisburn's 98 FM Uh, so we'll we'll just play a bit of it here yeah sure she likes letters I like mixtapes she likes smoking I like to drink she buys blue top I drink green I am coffee So 
So a little touch of mixtapes by Michael Mormeka from his new album Lo-Fi Life and that is our current track of the week on Lisburn's 98FM. Actually, do you know what? If you want to check out a selection of our track of the weeks so far, uh, we've been doing that this year and every week we take a local artist. Um, we've had people like Beauty Sleep, Pleasure Beach, Tuscany, some more established acts like the new band from the Cashier Number no. 9 guys, X Musician. So just a real selection. If we've got a little Spotify playlist for that, so go to Lisburn's 98fm.com and you can catch up with our track of the weeks there but our current track of the week is Michael Mormike and we were talking there as that was playing Mike was sort of talking about some of his hip-hop influences or his R&B <laughs> influences behind that track well I, I was probing him for some details on that and uh, you were saying that there's this uh, rhythm that is in a lot of R&B tracks that I haven't really realised but then you, you've sort of pointed it out and it's there and it's yeah. this duh, 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 duh. Yeah, it's really like primitive <laughs> fill that you do if you were like a baby or something, you know, big bird drum six. But it's uh, yeah, I, re- I really like it. It's actually like uh, Beyonce's coming to mind. It's definitely in a few of her yeah. tracks, you know. But yeah, I liked fusing it with kind of uh, those sort of atmospheric sounds with the guitars and yeah there's like a pluckiness in the production that's very sort of indie singer songwriter but has been brought into the pop charts by people like Gotcha and different things like that what what, have, what were you listening to going into the production of the album it's funny because no 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 one thing in particular you know but I suppose through um, working so much in the studio and like trying to achieve perfection for other people uh-huh. and then at that time I'm and then I'm doing my own stuff and I feel like it's like wahaha I can do anything I want right now so I'm just I'm just going to make it weird and <laughs> I feel like a, a kid who's broken into a sweet shop late at night and is just like tipping stuff over and <laughs> you know <laughs> just going a bit mad you know ODing on E numbers and stuff and uh, yeah so so no rules just f- fusing whatever genres and, uh, yeah. and musicality sort of came at the time and and uh, yeah there's a mixture of some heavy stuff and but definitely a lot more alternative kind of yeah just playing with sounds creating songs more from that angle as opposed to just sitting down writing a tune what you're talking about sort of that maybe stretching out to the edges or going just beyond what the, are the general expectations of genre is what makes mm. Mojo Fury so good and that's when you're at your best is whenever you're sort of tipping over the sweets and there's all, all, the, all the skittles are rolling across the floor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and all the colours are getting mushed up. Mixing the rhubarb and custard with the brandy balls. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I heard a thing recently, you know, after David Bowie died and, and, he, and he said, you know, as a creative person, just to, the most exciting place you can be is, you know, whenever you're just out of your, your, your comfort zone, uh-huh. or just out of your depth. And if you feel okay there, then just go a little bit further until you're just out and then you're slightly exploring the unknown and that coupled with maybe the things that you are, you do know that you are good at and I think it's a really nice kind of way to think about it, you know. The crew has just encroached on our recording there so yes, every you're, you were right there <laughs> at the yeah. start of the interview you said there's a crew <laughs> yeah. on every recording made in Millbank and yeah. there has been one of this. Yeah, I heard that boy quote as well and yeah, he's the ultimate uh, or what? What one of one of the great creative um, gurus? Yeah, know, creative yeah, gurus, yeah. the figureheads of twentieth century pop culture that we can look to as someone who reinvented themselves. And uh, I was I was actually at the exhibition there they did at the V and A. Amazing. Um, yeah. The uh, Bowie is 
And uh, some of the most interesting things were like uh, showing, he, he, you know, the word generator or the, the lyrics generator software that he developed. I think yeah, it was Peter yeah, Shivers, class, the yeah. software designer. And um, also that, that guy worked, I think, with Brian Eno to make those um, oblique strategies cards. Mm-hmm. And so this is where Bowie's getting interested in randomization and algorithms. And we were talking about Brian Eno a bit off mic earlier too. Um, and I think that's really fertile ground as well. Um, that obviously gets you into your discomfort zone uh, when yeah. you can't predict what's going to happen. You, you stop relying on those regular beats and yeah. regular rhythms. The album's called Lo-Fi Life. So I think a lot of people will read that and say, oh, lo-fi, distortion, not that gloss and sheen of production. And you were describing there, there's some dirty bits and we can hear even on the mixtape song, there's glitchiness to it. Uh, there's a little bit of dirt in there. Was that a sort of aesthetic decision made going into the production or was did that sort of organically grow? Is that just what you were interested in making at the time? Yeah, I think, no, the, the original title of the album was was actually called Kaleidoscope. Um, slightly linked to that kind of um, obscure and blurred mixture of, mm-hmm. of things. But then... Uh, stumbled upon the title Lo-Fi Life and, and really liked it because it it first and foremost references the yes like the general the sound um and fusing of things and then the more I thought about it it kind of like it really resonated um to me in, in a kind of uh, a way I like to approach my life and the way I actually live my life I like to think maybe sometime in the future that I might live in a in a cabin in the woods <laughs> in a really primitive way and just go and like live off the land and you know there's something really uh yeah romantic about that idea but just appealing as well for me you know and can you do that in Lisbon though right that's the important bit stay in Lisbon that's why I'm in Ballandary mate <laughs> <laughs> as long yeah. as you can get par for this big mixing desk in a cabin yeah absolutely that's it. fine in the title, the two words lo-fi sort of speaks to maybe the production values, but yeah. I'm also looking at that life as the second word. And I feel like there's a theme of family in the lyrics uh, and maybe the trajectory of the album. And maybe that's to do with how you're feeling now. I don't want to say you're getting older, Mike, but <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, but there's, there's a song family on here as yeah, well. Sure. And it feels like maybe you're, you're sort of pivoting to... Um, look to family and look to these sort of personal relationships which maybe haven't been touched on explicitly in your lyrics until now. Yeah, I suppose with things like Mojo and other projects, you know, you, you maybe put in lyrics that are suitable to something or maybe something not so personal, but but with the project that it's like, like I said earlier, like an audio diary, you know, mm-hmm. you'll write something that means something to you that you either want to kind of document or or remember at the time or or a message that you maybe maybe want to get to somebody else and and uh you don't have to answer to anybody you know it's just like a diary entry really and that's that's all all it is you know I'll do an album next year and whatever's happening then you know maybe I'll write about the things that have happened this year and with it being a, a solo project it's really nice just to yeah, like you say, right about the the things that matter, you know, sort of as you get older, you know, re- realizing the importance of of friends and family and describing relationships and m- maybe uh, 
Yeah, there's a song on there called Kaleidoscope as well, the last track on the album that's maybe a little bit of a reminder to myself. Well, maybe we'll play a little bit of Kaleidoscope. Then. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. is Kaleidoscope from the album Lo-Fi Life by Michael Mormika uh, who is with me tonight this is the jail case and our special guest is Michael Mormika in his uh, home <laughs> studio his home farm studio out in the outskirts of Lisburn it's called Millbank Studios and uh, Mike I'm afraid we're going to have to call it a day it's been great chatting you have to get on and do some important music stuff I believe you're you're off doing loads of fun stuff you're in Glastonbury oh, this week this is a yeah a, a really really exciting week is about to happen because yeah on Wednesday I head to Glastonbury to play with Melogen on the Friday brilliant um, and then we get back and then the following week on the 30th of June we do the, the first Lo-Fi Life album launch in the Crescent Arts Centre in Belfast. So, so that's Crescent Arts Centre in Belfast, 30th of June Thursday, for the Lo-Fi Life album launch. I can't wait. Will there be a nice little merchandise stall to get the album and things like that? Yeah, yeah. we got to get rid of some of these vinyls. Yeah, <laughs> They're really heavy in the car, so you got to get rid <laughs> yeah, of them. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, and then coming up after that, are you around the country a bit? Yeah, we're going to do, uh, uh, we're just actually booking an Irish tour right now. We're doing Derry and and uh, Dublin, Kilkenny, Cork. There's lots of stuff coming up. So, um, And actually we're going to play in Lisburn in September. And we're oh, going to do the beer festival in August. Um, so it held in there. So um, loads of stuff coming up. So, and and how really do people... Uh, find out about those whenever you launch them you're on Facebook and things like this I am but I've uh, actually just got michaelmormiga.com oh that's good <laughs> that's very good michaelmormiga.com yeah, it's, it's and if really you're real 
if you're wondering how to spell that, it's uh, Michael as normal and then Mormika, M-O-R-M-E-C-H-A. Yeah, that's it. Um, or if you just search Lo-Fi Life, Michael, it probably yeah. comes up on your yeah. internet browser. So that's us, folks, for tonight. Uh, thanks so much for staying tuned with us. You have been listening to The Jewel Case with me, John Darcy. All the old episodes are up online. Just go to thejewelcase.johndarcy.com. Um, last week, we had Michael Clark tell me all about the Euros and uh, our favourite and least favourite football songs. Three Lions, obviously, up there. And, and <laughs> the deck as well. Or sorry, PJ and Duncan, I believe they're at least that under. Uh, I've had wrestlers on, cheesemakers, skateboarders. So a real mix of... Uh, different guests on if you want to check out my archive there thejewelcase.johndarcy.com Michael will we play out the show with another song from the new album Lo-Fi Life let's do it Uh, I get to choose this one (laughs) uh, again Uh, this one was released originally as Clown Parter so we did we went through uh, your your early history and the rest of the show and Clown Parter was your former alter ego of your solo material Um, the song is vicious delicious I'm sorry to leave this lovely studio environment and head back out into the sun now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really nice spending some time with you and catching up Mike I will hopefully see you at the album launch and hopefully get you on sometime soon to yeah, uh, class. just yeah. have a chat about tunes and Prince and Bowie and everything all things lovely <laughs> alright night 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 <laughs> Change your shit.